This is the Bartender Journey Podcast. Hey, it's Bartender Journey Podcast number 136. My name's Brian Vincent Weber. Thanks for listening. Well, my guest on the show today is Andy Watts. He's a master distiller at Bain's Cape Mountain Whiskey from South Africa. I like this whiskey. It's good. Andy's going to tell us all about how it's made, and uh, we'll learn a little bit about South Africa, too, which I knew nothing about. Well, let's do our cocktail of the week. We'll use the Bain's whiskey. Uh, but if you can't get it, I'd say you could use a, uh, a mellow kind of bourbon, uh, one that uses a lot of wheat in the mash bill. You wouldn't want to use a, a bourbon that has a lot of rye in it, like a Bullet or a Basil Hayden, even though I love those types of bourbons. Uh, but that's a much different uh, profile than the Baines for sure. But as I said, a weeded bourbon will be the closest profile that you can get uh, to use in this cocktail if you want to try to simulate what I make here. Bourbon, uh, as you may know, is made with at least 51% corn by, by law. And then the rest can be one or a combination of uh, barley, wheat, and rye. There's not too many 100% corn bourbons. Uh, in fact, the only one that I can think of is Tuttletown's Hudson Baby Bourbon. Uh, it's made in the Hudson Valley of New York State. And uh, there's a great article about this subject in the New York Times. And I'll put, I'll put a link up to that on bartenderjourney.net if you'd like to read it. So I'm off on a little bit of a tangent here, so let's get back to our cocktail of the week. I made a Boulevardier with the Baines whiskey, which made a very nice, delicate, delicious cocktail. And as you probably know, a Boulevardier is a Negroni made with whiskey instead of gin. Generally, it's rye whiskey. Uh, but I used the Baines whiskey, and then I changed the ratio a little bit from the classic 1 to 1 to 1 used in the classic Negroni. And I did a 1.5 ounce of the Baines whiskey. One ounce sweet vermouth, one ounce Campari. I also added a few drops of my sea salt solution. I use a uh, Himalayan sea salt uh, dissolved in warm water and uh, a few drops of that in there. So we're going to mix that up in our mixing glass with a spoon. We're not going to shake that drink. And then we're going to strain it over fresh ice into an old-fashioned glass. And uh, I like to use one big ice cube when possible. And uh, I feel like a lemon twist today, so we're going to express the oils from a lemon twist into that drink and drop that twist in there as a garnish. So there you have it, the Cape Mountain Boulevardier. So of course I'll post that recipe up on bartenderjourney.net along with the show notes for the show, show number 136. Well, I mentioned Hudson Whiskey, made in New York, and our book of the week is going to be Discovering the New York Craft Spirits Boom by Heather Dolan. You don't have to be from New York to appreciate this book. It's all about craft distilleries, and of course there's a lot of knowledge in here about how spirits are produced, and uh, some great cocktail recipes, great pictures, and uh, Heather went around, traveled all around New York interviewing craft distillers, and uh, here's a bit of my talk with Heather. It really is something that absolutely just took off. Um, but part of the incentive is for the economy in New York State, um, for the, the agriculture. And there are a lot of, part of being um, a craft distiller is that you have to source at least 75% of the material from New York. Right. So it's a huge boom to the farmers, the guys that are growing the grains. And, you know, we have people now with the, uh, I mean, it's, it's creating a lot of other industry as well. Yeah, which which is really really a wonderful thing all by itself. Absolutely, it affects you know everything from trucking and then the, the, the barrel makers and uh, I mean you, you go you could go on and on. Absolutely. Well, we talked for quite a while actually, and uh, I'll put the full length video version of my talk with Heather up on bartenderjourney.net along with the posting that goes with this show. If you have any trouble at all finding the posting. 
that goes along with this episode, number 136. Go to bartenderjourney.net, and on the upper right-hand side, you'll see a Google search bar. So you can just type in 136, and that'll, that'll bring you to it. So check out Heather's book, and of course, I'll put a link up to that on bartenderjourney.net. Any of those Amazon links you see up there on bartenderjourney.net help uh, support the show a little bit, and uh, it doesn't cost you any extra if you click on any of the Amazon links on bartenderjourney.net and click through to Amazon and do your shopping there, uh, whether you buy that book or something else, anything else. It helps out the show a little bit. It doesn't cost you any extra. So I'd sure appreciate your support. The show uh, the show needs the help of the community to, to keep it going. There's a lot of expenses incurred. And also on bartenderjourney.net, you'll find our tip cup page, and that's the best way you can help the show. I heard something interesting on another podcast. He said, just because something is free doesn't make it worthless. So uh, I thought that was an interesting statement. So anything you can do to help out the show. You can also go over to iTunes, and this won't cost you anything. If you go to iTunes and leave some stars, ratings, and reviews, that would help the show. Uh, the stars, and that helps us raise up in the ratings and uh, helps other people find us. You can, leave five. you can leave as many stars as you want. Five is the most you can leave. Five is the most. And or type a little sentence, uh, preferably both. Type a little uh, nice little comment. So there's three simple things you can do to help out the show. I'd appreciate it. Thanks. All right, let's talk to Andy Watts, master distiller for Bain's Cape Mountain Whiskey. Hi, Brian. Hello, Mr. Watts. How are you, sir? I'm well and yourself. Fine, thank you. Thank you for joining Great. me today. Great, fantastic. Looking forward to it. This is definitely the furthest away I've ever recorded an interview. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're halfway around the world. It's, it's amazing. Eh? Six hours time difference, and yet it seems as though we're next door to each other. Isn't that amazing? I, I've done calls much closer where there's a big delay, but there doesn't seem to be any here today. Very good. No, I've, I've asked all the kids to switch their, their Wi-Fi stuff off, so we should have a pretty clean, uh, clean line from this side. Beautiful. Well, speaking of beautiful, this is a wonderful whiskey. I'm very impressed with this whiskey. Oh, thank you very much. It's uh, I find it very um, creamy and um, very uh, sophisticated. I'd say. Ah, oh, nice. Yeah, that's uh, that's a new word for it, sophisticated. But uh, but I see that as a positive. Absolutely. Well, uh, I, I know nothing about South South Africa. Tell us about a little bit about South Africa and how and how that influences the whiskey. And and uh, I see whiskey is spelled without the e in South Africa. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, I mean, as as we know, whiskey is actually a generic word. Uh, it's the Irish, the Americans who, who choose predominantly to use the e, and the rest of the world can if they want, but uh, the most of us seem to prefer just the ky. So. Uh, yeah, it's the choice we made. Uh, we're a young whiskey-making country. We only started commercially making whiskey here in 1977. So, uh, you know, in world terms, we are very young. South Africa is a—it's an amazing country. It's—it's uh, it's quite a large country, but it's a relatively small population, only about 60 million people, mm-hmm. and we are situated right down at the uh, at the southern point of uh, of South Africa in in the Western Cape, in a beautiful little town called Wellington, which uh, sits at the foot of the uh, Drakenstein Mountains, and. Uh, and yeah, it's predominantly a, a wine growing area, so it's a, a strange place to have a whiskey distillery. But mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, we've we've made it work here, and you've done quite well. And uh, so, what are the influences of of the um, terroir, shall we say, uh, in in your area? Water, I'm sure, to begin with. Yeah, well, I mean, we've got a we've got a plentiful supply of water. We get uh, we get winter rainfall in in the Cape, and then we have dry summers. Uh, but being in a mountainous area, we've got lots of dams, large catchment areas, 
which feed our rivers through the through the dry summer months. So so we've got plenty of water. Uh, our grain is uh, also because of the climate here. We've got exceptional uh, uh, grain in South African yellow maize, which is corn, as as you people know it in in America. And uh, strangely enough, until the mid 1980s, the the Scottish industry used to import their their maize from South Africa for their grain whiskies in Scotland. <laughs> yeah, certain things stopped that the the sanctions which were against South Africa back in those days, and also the formation of the European Economic Community, where the uh, you know the farming regulations or the uh, they encourage them to use up the raw materials now within the European Economic Community. Otherwise, they would pay tariffs on the trade. But uh, our, star- our grain in, in South Africa has got a relatively high starch content, around about 62 to 63 percent, which has got obviously a, a direct influence then on the amount of alcohol per ton you can produce. Uh, obviously, it's a very warm climate here. Uh, our summer temperatures easily reach uh, 35 to 40 degrees centigrade on a on a daily basis. Uh, which means that we do have a higher than, than let's say, usual angel share, mm-hmm. uh, lose, losing approximately four and a half, you know, even to 5% a year, yeah. uh, de- depending on, on that. On the other hand, you can probably age it quicker. Well, that's, that, that, is the, that, that actually the is the big advantage. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, the accountants would like you to lose less, but, mm-hmm. uh, but the trade-off is, is that we do find that at a younger age, our whiskies do portray themselves as being a lot smoother, a lot older a lot more yeah sophisticated as you mentioned earlier yeah how long will this spend in the barrel well i mean the the legislation for making whiskey in south africa is almost the, to the letter the same as what it is in scotland so it's a minimum age of aging period of three years before the spirit may even be called whiskey uh and then after that obviously you know you can age it as as long as you want the uh, the oldest whiskies we've released have been 10 year old single malts at this stage um, but obviously, going forward, we've you know we've got plans for for other older uh, grain and malt whiskies. What what was the choice to use 100% uh, corn, as we call it? Yeah, that was a, a an interesting one because you know if you look at the history of of whiskey, then then grain whiskey predominantly is the uh, you know it's the filler, it's the it's the backbone of the of the blended whiskies. Um, always seen as maybe the black sheep of the family. The whole romance goes around the malt whiskies. Uh, but after 1994, when South Africa had its first democratic elections, um, you know some of the and we became a part of the global village again. Then some of the iconic brands from around the world started to return to South Africa and to our and to our shelves. And it was quite interesting to see, you know, from your smooth Irish whiskies to your slightly sweeter bourbon-style whiskies, which which started to come uh, back to South Africa. And also the the demographic of the drinker changed uh, from being a predominantly white European male, middle-aged, um, perceived to be somebody who played golf or bowls. That was the the perception of how a whiskey drinker looked. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that just changed overnight. All of a sudden, we had a, a growing black market with disposable income. Uh, their drink of choice is whiskey. They, they see it as aspirational. Uh, they're attracted to these iconic brands. And we looked at that demographic, and we and we also saw that the drinker had, had become a little bit younger, and also across the sexes, more ladies, more younger ladies started to enjoy whiskey as well. And we we looked at it. This we're talking now back in 1999 when the concept for for Baines came about, and and we looked at the you know the taste profiles which those people enjoyed, and it was something which is is slightly sweeter. 
Now, as you know, whiskey is a total natural product. It's water, it's grains, it's yeast. So the, the only way that you can add sweetness or flavor is through the type of wood which you select for the maturation period. And, uh, you know, we decided that, you know, looking at our amazing country and, and not having the 500 years of tradition which Scotland and our Northern Hemisphere colleagues have, uh, we respect that tradition, uh, utmost respect for it, but we're not held back by it. We find that being a, a young whiskey producing nation, we can be quite innovative. So we actually saw back in 99 the opportunity to, to create a, a lighter styled whiskey uh, and by using careful cast selection, make it a little bit sweeter uh, give the nuances which which that market, which was unique to South Africa, enjoyed. And we came up with the concept of, of Baines, which was eventually launched in 2009. So, you know, 10 years from conception to birth wow. and, and a, a very, very, you know, calculated plan of what we wanted to achieve. It, it wasn't a case... You know, where now, for example, grain is starting to come back a little bit now, um, the lighter style uh, whiskies. But, you know, were they planned 15, 20 years ago? I I'm not so sure about that. Right. Uh, you know, in our particular case with Baines, there was a, a definite plan to move away from a, a traditional style whiskey to something which was uniquely different and and you know, our own our own style here in the Cape. It really is a unique style. And you'd, and you'd think, um, being that it's 100% corn, not, not that all bourbons are 100% corn, or even yeah. not many are, actually, but uh, you're double maturing in bourbon casks. So there's a lot of similarities with bourbon here. Yet, yet it, it definitely has a distinct style to it. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, that was the big plus point for us when we, when we started looking at what does the market enjoy. I mean, the, the bourbons do bring a nice sweetness and, and that's, a, you know, something which comes from American oak, uh, especially the newer uh, first Felix bourbon, if you can get hold of them, which we fortunately can, then, uh, you know, that helps us bring through those, those sweet characters, those vanilla notes into the whiskey, which appeals to, to the younger and the, and the broader market demographic within South Africa. Mm -hmm. So so you say they're double matured in bourbon casks. I, I, I assume it must be uh, challenging to get them. You know, if nothing else, it must be expensive to ship them all the way to South Africa. <laughs> yeah, the the South African rand at the moment against the dollar, the pound, and the euro is taking quite a hammering. Oh. Um, but we've, you know, we've been fortunate over the years. We built up some very good relationships uh, in America uh, with very well-known producers, and you know, we we're not in in world terms. We are still relatively small in terms of production so we we find that we you know we can still get the supply of the casks the double maturation that was uh, that was something which you know way back then I, I thought was quite a, a USP a unique selling point uh, and specifically because after the the first three years in first fill bourbon casks in other words a cask which had just been previously used for bourbon uh, the decision was then to take it out of those casks and to revat again into a new set so you know in producing Baines we actually buy two sets of casks out of the state so they're first fill in both cases huh first fill in both cases wow. so <laughs> you know we're normally in a uh, Baines, Baines on average is a five year old product uh, three years in first fill then take it out of that and then it's an 18 to a 30-month second period and normally when you do a um, you know a five-year period you will go one two three four five each year less extraction and what we decided to do with Baines was go one two three take it out put it back again and go one two to give us more of that intense vanilla sweetness which you get from the uh, from the American oak. 
So any thoughts of doing any um, port filled port casks or anything like that in the future, maybe? Yeah, st- strange enough, we have just uh, and under one of our other labels, we've just released uh, South Africa's very first um, single cask PX finish, Pedro Jimenez finish. Uh, it was only 800 bottles. It was one uh, one sherry cask which I filled, and and those bottles sold out with within less than 48 hours. So uh, <laughs> you know, there's there's a very there's a very uh, educated even though our country is small, there's a very educated market here uh, who love whiskies from around the world uh, and specifically are starting to to be proudly South African and enjoying our own whiskey. For years, that was was, was a very big challenge because we we make it, we make incredible brandy in this country. We make you know some of the best wines in the world come from South Africa, but you know people don't relate whiskey in South Africa. People still have this whiskey in Scotland, whiskey in Ireland, um, you know, which is absolutely fine because that's the way it's been for years. But, you know, over the last 10, 15 years, new world countries are starting to come to the fore. Uh, Taiwan being a a classic example under the, you know, the fantastic leadership of Ian Chang. Uh, You know, you've got Sweden with uh, Angelo D'Arzio. You've got uh, Tasmania now coming and Australia coming to the fore. Um, India and Japan, of course. India and Japan, of course. Yeah, they've been around for a while, and so it's you know they it's now becoming tr- a truly global product. It's it's not just anymore from you know one or two specific countries, and you know also if you look at the international competitions, you know a lot of these new world whiskies are are actually starting to to do really well in these competitions. Yeah, absolutely, and I think people are people are excited to try things from different different areas. You know, I mean, me myself, I don't want to just drink jack daniels every day you know <laughs> i want to try something from from all over the world you know and 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 in our country you know bourbon's being made in almost every state now which is which is fun and interesting and although there's a lot of consumers that still think it has to be made in kentucky <laughs> no, i think that's a that's an excellent point you've got there when i when i do my tastings i i always say that there isn't one whiskey to suit every occasion and if you're only drinking one whiskey then you're actually doing yourself a disservice absolutely whiskey is such a fantastic product the whole fun of whiskey is the journey the responsible journey through through trying different styles of whiskey you know certain moods certain temperatures whether it's like today i mean it's eight o'clock at night it's 85 degrees fahrenheit outside mm-hmm. you're looking for maybe a you know a long glass lots of ice uh, a light styled whiskey and 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 the mixture of your choice you know traditionally people used to say you know you, you just drink whiskey with water or maybe a dash of ice uh, I think now, if you look at the market, the market, you know, determines how they drink it. There isn't a right or wrong way. And and you're right. The young people, the the people who are out there now, who are who are on Twitter, on social media, they they're excited about change. They want to see new products. They want to try new products. And yeah, that's that's great for me because I I, I love the innovative part of my of my business. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, this would make a fantastic old fashioned. I mean, I'd be hard pressed to mix anything in this wonderful glass, but <laughs> I'm sure it would make. A great old-fashioned you know I, I love to do that i love to take uh you know make it make a cocktail and then vary just one ingredient whether it be the spirit or something else you know i made uh, margaritas last week with um and i'm like ah, you know i'm gonna put some fresh lime juice in there and, and good quality ingredients and uh, you know we can skimp on the tequila a little bit but i tell you what the you know the next round they're like well what are you gonna do for us you know this time i said well let's, let's try the same thing with a better tequila and what a difference it was a huge difference so so yeah you know People people are looking for great quality cocktails, and it has to be made with great quality spirits, obviously. 
Well, we, we like to think that Baines is, we, you know, we, we talk about it as being naturally pure, which it is. Uh, and we, we like to think that the perfect serve for Baines is just as you said there, it's, it's, it's Baines with maybe a dash of water. Uh, you know, we, we, we don't encourage people to, to go out and make cocktails from it. But, I mean, really, that is, as you say, I mean, there are times when you want to do that and there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. I mean, it's, it's how you enjoy the moment. That's what's important. Right, right. Well, yeah, you, you did win uh, many awards with this whiskey, I see, from all over the world, yeah? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the whiskey, in, I mean, obviously in whiskey and spirit terms, it's, it's, it's relatively young. You're talking, you know, just over six years old. It was launched uh, in August 2009. Um, it entered its first competitions in 2010. It's taken six consecutive gold medals at the International Wine and Spirit Competition uh, held annually in London. Uh, in 2013, it walked away with the uh, with the title of the world's best grain whiskey at the World Whiskey Awards in London. Uh, also in that same year, uh, strangely enough, it took double gold at the New York uh, International Spirit Challenge, and uh, the following year in 2014 took gold there as well. So we we eagerly anticipate in this year's results to to see if we if we manage to keep that run going. Very nice, very nice. Well, tell us you're you're from uh, England originally, and I, I remember reading somewhere there was an interesting story how you ended up in South Africa. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not the uh, it's not the normal way of of becoming a, a master distiller. Um, I used to be a professional cricketer. I, I left school. I followed every kid's dream. I uh, wanted to be a professional soccer player, but I wasn't good enough at soccer. And, and I finished up playing cricket, which obviously isn't a, isn't a, isn't a very popular sport in, uh, in the United States. Um, but that brought me to South Africa. It took me away from the cold English winter for six months. Uh, after the six months, I returned back to the UK, and I did that for the, for the next three years. Uh, and each one of those years, I, I met my wife to be. Uh, I fell in love with the country, and you know, I decided to make in in late 1984. I decided to make the decision to to move from UK, come settle myself here in South Africa. And I'd I'd been given at that stage the opportunity to work with a company called Stellenbosch Farmers Winery, and uh, and yeah, that's where it all, be, all all began. October the first, 1984, I entered the liquor industry, and. Uh, yeah, thirty thirty one years later, I'm I'm still here. <laughs> That's great. But the uh, the Baines is a young whiskey, but the um, the distillery's been around for a long time. Yeah, the the, the brand has been around. Yeah, the distillery's actually been around since under the Sedgwick name since 1886, but it was predominantly a uh, brandy distillery up until 1990. In 1986, I got the opportunity to to go back to Scotland on a an exchange scholarship with Morris and Beaumont Distillers. Uh, where I was very fortunate to work at the Glengarry Ockintosh and, of course, the iconic uh, Beaumont distillery on the island of Isla. Mm. And I also work, worked under incredible people like uh, Alistair Ross, David Gresick, and, of course, you know, everybody knows James McEwen. Uh, those were the characters of the industry, Billy Walker, um, Ian McMillan, who I met in later years, uh, Robert Fleming, who heads up Glen Cadam and, and uh, Tom and Tal. And, you know, that really, I think that was the decision when, when I decided that this was, you know, 
this was where my passion really lied. And and when I came back to South Africa, um, the following year I was sent back again, came back the following year again. And then in 1989, the company asked me if I would take over the, the managership of, of our then little whiskey distillery, which was in Stellenbosch, a town about 40 kilometers from here. And along with our technical services department, moved the operations across to, to Wellington, which was a, a larger distillery, which was basically redundant at that time. And since 1990, we've we've made all of our uh, South African whiskies exclusively from from this distillery here in Wellington, the James Sedgwick Distillery. Nice. It's 130 what now seven years next year. I'm I'm only the sixth manager of this distillery in that time. That's amazing. Yeah, and people come and stick around a while. It sounds like. Yeah, well, it's it's 25 years for me now. I, we often joke about it. If I'd have killed my wife, I'd have probably been out of jail by now. But. Uh, <laughs> But no, it's uh, you know I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't change I wouldn't change a minute of it. It's been a, an amazing journey. In that time, I've been encouraged to change the distillery to look at the way we do things. I've had incredible support from our mother company, and yeah, we we now in a in a point where we've you know we we we're really starting now to to be in a position where we've got all the whiskies maturing, where we can start to to release more whiskies and we can we can start to get the world to, you know, to obviously and not just the world, South Africa itself, to to start accepting that we do make pretty decent whiskey here. Great stuff, great stuff. Uh, I, I'll tell you what I pick out flavor-wise from this whiskey, and then you, you tell us, you know, your usual uh, your usual uh, spiel, you know. I, I, I smell a lot of vanilla and uh, toasted marshmallow, cinnamon, brown sugar but the uh I, the mouthfeel is is just so um luscious it's great well i'm glad you mentioned that brian because i, I don't normally do a tasting without a, a a little a little glass in front of me and uh, yeah you're right again whiskey is very subjective um you know i might say smell the pineapple you might say i get banana it doesn't make either one of us right or wrong it's how you experience the whiskey which is important so so normally do the tastings it's you know it's a guideline it's to to point the people in the direction where i believe they should be and uh, hopefully we take it from there normally when i when i do a tasting there's a difference between tasting and drinking tasting i would normally add just a dash of water to the whiskey mm-hmm. uh just for the simple reason, creates a little chemical reaction, adds a little bit of heat, and that drives the the flavors of the whiskey to the nose of the glass. Yeah, and yeah, you're right. I pick him with this one. I mean, on the nose, you've got that uh, you know combination of floral, banana, toasted hazelnut, toffee aromas coming through. And if you you know if you take a taste of this whiskey, I think that's actually where where it really comes to the fore. I mean, you have those beautiful balanced vanilla cocoa butter, light spices, cinnamon, as you mentioned, uh, the sweet undertones coming from the oak casks in which it's been matured. And, you know, the, the finish is just a nice, long, warm mouthfeel, mouthfeel, sorry, with, you know, lots of probably coconutty cream, but an, an exceptionally smooth finish. So I think this is a whiskey which, you know, somebody who's even entering the whiskey market for the or the whiskey category for the first time um, would probably enjoy this whiskey. Where I, I know lots of people who've been introduced to whiskey um, at the smoky, peaty, heavy end of the of the market, and then they've said, you know, oh, you know, I don't like whiskey because they they think all whiskeys taste like that. But you know, if you start at the right point, and I'm not saying Baines in any way is a is a beginner whiskey, but it has just got those flavors which which attract people who probably have been drinking 
sweeter drinks or drinks with mixers in the past. Absolutely, I I, I agree with that 100. percent It's um, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't scare anybody off, but it's it's sophisticated at the same time as I, that was my first uh, description of sophistication. Right. Well, this was so much fun. It was a pleasure to meet you, sir. I'm, I. Uh, Wish I could have uh, met you at Whiskey Fest. You were at Whiskey Fest in New York recently, yeah? Yeah, I was unfortunate. I didn't. I didn't make that one, but, but oh, hopefully didn't. next year. Oh, okay. No, no. I'm going to be in. Uh, I will be in New York. Uh, I think I arrive on the on the 16th of November for a while. So maybe who knows? Maybe we get the opportunity to to meet up and have a have a glass of Baines uh, in in New York City. That would be great. Well, Andy, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time, and I uh, look forward to staying in touch. Thank you, Brian. Thanks a lot. Eh? Cheers. Enjoy the rest of your day there. Thank you. Bye bye. Great conversation there. Andy's going to be in New York next week, and I was invited to meet him and uh, attend a whiskey dinner in Manhattan, so I'm looking forward to that, and uh, I'll be sure to tell you all about it. Okay, make sure you hang around all the way to the end of the show for our toast. But first, I'll tell you, my name's Brian Vincent Weber. My email is brian at bartenderjourney.net. On Twitter, I'm Barkeep Tips, and you can find the Facebook page, Bartender Journey. Uh, you know, search search Facebook for Bartender Journey. You'll find it and like that page. Just like it. Hey, I just booked a trip to Tampa. The Tampa chapter of the U.S. Bartenders Guild has a four-day repeal day party which I only just recently found out about this repeal day party. Uh, Of course, repeal day is the day alcohol became legal again in the U.S. after Prohibition, and it's a traditional day for bartenders to celebrate. But it's not all celebration. There are seminars and educational opportunities, too. If you're interested in attending the event or just finding out more about it, it's repealdayparty.com. Well, I'm planning to record lots of stuff down there and share it with you all. The San Antonio Cocktail Conference is just uh, around the corner, too, uh, about a month later. I don't know that I'm going to be able to pull off both of these trips uh, without some financial support. So if you happen to work with a brand and would like to be a sponsor on the show, in particular, sponsor a series of shows from San Antonio, please get in touch by email at brian at bartenderjourney.net. That would be awesome. All right, here's our toast. Remember, friends, the glass is neither half empty nor half full. It just needs to be topped off. Cheers, we'll see you next time on Bartender Journey.